Hello, hello. Welcome to Hometown Daily. Season 3, episode 21 for January 21st, 2024. Today we're going to be talking about Lunar Lawn Darts, Ancient Power Unlocked, Fusion Future, Farm Life of Martial Artists, Around the Clock Plan, Lunar Lander Story Driven Sequel, Poke America Becomes World's Pal, Malaria Parasites, because why not? It's 2024. Solar panels get cheaper. Set phasers to level three. Let's get into it. Hello, everybody. I'm Mayor Watt. That's hometown.com. And up there is the sentient AI. Good evening, hometown citizens. <laughs> Maybe a little laggy. <laughs> maybe not technology wise <laughs> maybe programming wise yeah, maybe a little, little drunk there um, so uh, it's 5 o'clock somewhere enjoy them if you got them 10 articles all ready to go we are back from our time travel trip here's a VOD for the 19th January 19th um, we're making up for the fact that Mayor Watt um had to become unavailable for a few days long involved story uh once i spin up the only fans uh hometown after dark channel uh i'll explain <laughs> what happened <laughs> don't hold your breath <laughs> let me just say if you're into feet picks you might be into the picks that i've got <laughs> just no let's get into it i think i actually blew out the mic just now that's okay let's go first article is over in the mobile channel u.s space company upbeat on next moon mission despite lunar landers demise lunar lawn darts it is the head of the American space company whose lunar lander failed this week in its mission to reach the moon expressed optimism friday that the next attempt would achieve its goal. Imagine if people are reluctant about this guy or person, right? Um, but they were like totally cool with, um, what's his face? Elon Musk, because he's like, oh, it's only a couple million dollars or a hundred million dollars or whatever. Yeah, right. it's taxpayer like, dollars. What the heck? And we're failing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Asshole. I get asked, why do you have such a problem with Elon Musk? I don't know, because he's a socio sociopath and a douchebag. Hey, we're only three minutes into the show. You want snark? You come to hometown daily news show. So uh, this article is actually over at fizz.org. So the lunar lawn dart, um, the lunar lander failed. But it became it was an issue it looked like there was a bent part and some damage was done it's kind of interesting that i don't think that that it was addressed that it was there was damage they just said that there's no, a fuel leak so. just right? that it didn't achieve its mission yeah and and uh, other places said that it was a fuel leak and that it didn't have enough propellant now and that it was going to eventually just spin out of control and deorbit. So they say I'm more confident than ever now that our next mission will be successful and land on the surface of the moon. Confident, more confident than ever now that our next mission will be more confident. Um, 
So you weren't very confident that this mission was going to land? Apparently not. I mean, it's this a gamut. It's actually similar to other companies. <laughs> right? Astrobotic CEO John Thornton, uh, maybe budget Elon Musk, <laughs> told a news conference highlighting challenges his team had overcome in the unexpected but very exciting mission. Astrobotics Peregrine Lander had launched on January 8th under an experimental new partnership between U.S. Space Agency, NASA, and private industry intended to reduce costs for American taxpayers and seed a lunar lander. So come on, Astrobotics. I'm actually in your corner, even if I am snarky about your verbiage. Because I really want Elon Musk to... Well, I want some competition. Suffer from competition. There's the right phrase. I want competition to make things better. Less is less expensive. Open up opportunity. But the lander apparently experienced an explosion shortly after separating from its rocket and was leaking fuel, damaging its outer shell, as well as making it impossible to reach its destination. This is what I was talking about. That's the damage. But they never called it. They never referred to the damage, really, in everything that I was reading. Maybe I just skimmed over it, but they always talked about the leaking fuel, the leaking fuel, the leaking fuel. Yeah, well, it's because it kind of boomed in the wrong way. It boomed sideways instead of down. Thornton called it a difficult moment, saying the problem likely stemmed from a faulty valve and that a full investigation would be carried out. <laughs> Good luck. It's up in space. We'll see you when you get it. But he remained upbeat about the mission because nothing says confidence like a person falling into a a well of depression that their multi-million dollar operation blew up sideways of course they're going to be upbeat about the next mission it wasn't their money they have to be for funding yeah no shit so thornton said that he had a independent confirmation the crippled peregrine lander had burned up in the atmosphere as it plunged back to the earth saying eh it's not my money astrobotics next mission scheduled for november so a year away jesus this is taking too long is to carry i mean it doesn't really say to elon musk you better do better and lower the price <laughs> exactly <laughs> stop being a d-bag Scheduled for November is to carry a rover developed by NASA to the moon's South Pole. I guess it can actually get it there. I don't know. It'll all be in one piece. Where American astronauts are meant to explore in coming years. Did you know that there's caves on the moon? Yes, I think there was another article in hometown about that, but I did not know that prior to that. There is. Isn't that cool that hometown aggregates news and you don't have to worry about all of the noise from other social media news sites? That is cool. That is I think it's cool. So Viper is a very sophisticated and costly uh, piece of technology. Senior NASA official Joel Curran said, so we want to make sure that we really understand the root cause and contributing factors of what happened on Peregrine. If we have to modify our plans for Griffin, we will. Oh, what time is it? 6.48 PM on Sunday, the 21st. No shit news. Welcome. <laughs> NASA had paid Astrobotics about $100 million under the Commercial Lunar Payload Services program to ship its science instruments to the moon. Things went that way and uh, didn't quite happen. So 
I guess $100 million just got pissed away, but we learned a lesson. Make sure your valves work. <laughs> Not much else to say. You want to keep going? I think so. Uh, the next article is over in Technology Today. This is how a sci-fi book and subsequent movie forms. Ancient power unlocked. Scientists discover 2.5 billion year old bacterial energy source. Oh God, bad, bad. <laughs> uh, bad scientists delivering a bad bat to a wet market as a test, I think. Biologists from Constans, which sounds like an like a, a villain in a Marvel Cinematic Universe type of movie, have unveiled a unique and ancient phosphorus-based bacterial met metabolism. Central to this discovery are four elements. Let's talk about this. SciTech Daily, University of Constans. Is it Constantinople? Not Istanbul. Not Istanbul, and it's not the University of Istanbul. It's just the University of Constans. I shouldn't diminish what they're coming up with hey look it's the mitochondria now this is actually a bacteria it, it's a symbolic version of the artist rendering of a so in the late 1980s scientist bernard schink which is the sound that a sword makes when it's withdrawn from a sheath or scabbard uh, predicted that a microorganism could produce energy from phosphite decades later a new species was discovered in a sewage plant back to the horror movie, which proved his theory. This organism, which forms a new genus of bacteria, uses phosphite oxidation for energy, a process that could date back 2.5 billion years, providing insights into the early biochemical evolution and potential life in extreme environments. And like I said, this is an artist concept of, I guess a bacterial powered or a phosphite oxidation powered bacteria. Yeah, it kind of screams horror movie. If I ingest does. this, does this become, do I become more of what I am? Like I'm a super marijuana? Well, I mean, this is definitely how you create heroes and villains, right? I think so too. So they talk about how the story begins in the 1980s. Uh, there are people that are talking about ATP molecule in this way. Uh, it should therefore be possible for microorganisms to supply itself with energy. We know about this nowadays. Unlike most living organisms on our planet, this organism would not be dependent on energy supply from light or from the decomposition of organic matter. The scientists actually succeeded in isolating such an organism from the environment. Its energy metabolism is based on the oxidation of phosphite to phosphate just as predicted by the calculation. But how exactly does the biochemical mechanism work? Regrettably, the key enzyme needed to understand the biochemistry behind the process remained hidden. And thus the mystery remained unsolved for many years. Enter Bernard Schink, right? Professor at the Limnological Institute of the University of Konstanz, three decades after he made the calculation on paper an unexpected uh, discovery Set the ball rolling again. Um, the bacteria, bacterium, subsists on phosphate oxidation and as far as we know exclusively on this reaction, it covers its energy metabolism this way and can build up its cell substance from CO2. At the same time, explains Schink, this bacterium is an 
uh, autotrophic organism like a plant. It does, however, not need light like a plant. That's because of the phosphate oxidation. So it gets its power from turning a phosphite into a phosphate. Surprisingly, it turned out that the bacterium is not the only new species, but actually forms an entirely new genus of bacteria. This thing should have died in a sewage treatment plant, and now we're honing it into a weapon of mass destruction, like a bad bat from... Yeah, this is terrifying. <laughs> a wet market in China. So they say it's a remnant from 2.5 billion years ago. The discovery of the new type of energy metabolism is in itself a great scientific success. Great. That's exactly what I want. There's more over at this article, but um, if you are starting to plan for NaNoWriMo 2024, I think I've got your information sourced. So swing by hometown via the link that's in the chat and or the <laughs> plenty of uh, writing inspiration in here. Uh, yeah, I think the whole day is going to be that. Let's keep going. How about the future of fusion over in technology today? Unlocking complex physics with AI's precision. AI's precision, my ass. Come on. It hallucinates. <laughs> AI throwing a dart at a dartboard. <laughs> AI's hallucination. Neural networks guided by physics are... I poo-poo it, but I have a lifetime uh, subscription to an AI um service so i'm now, not is that too, actually a lifetime or is that just a few years it might be just a few years based on what everybody talks about lifetime meaning in fact i had a lifetime a lifetime um support for a, a web uh, for wordpress you buy themes and i bought a lifetime membership for a theme and not three months later the theme was acquired by us uh, another product that was bigger and they abandoned that original lifetime and the new service won't honor it even though the developer of the original moved to the other place it was an aqua hire or partnership whatever you want to call it but they're not honoring right and it's abandoned right i mean yeah that's ridiculous yeah but not uncommon. Nope. It's kind of scumbaggery, but okay. You know, if you knew that you were going to get acquired three months later, I wouldn't have purchased it because I just wasted money on you, you asshole. Anyway, the future of fusion, unlocking complex physics with AI's precision. Neural networks guided by physics are creating new ways to observe the complexities of plasmas. Fusion experiments take place under extreme conditions with extremely high temperature. The article's over at SciTech Daily. It's the U uh, U.S. Department of Energy that put this article together over at SciTechDaily.com. Um, so it says bridging plasma modeling and experiments. In response, researchers have demonstrated a novel way to bridge plasma modeling and experiments using pictures from cameras routinely installed in fusion devices. With an optical filter, the researchers developed a technique to infer electron density and temperature fluctuations. Fusion scientists can use this information in experiments to predict plasma fields in a manner consistent with a theory or with theory. So this is kind of interesting, right? Yeah, absolutely. So different measurements provide, well, different layers of data provide different measurements like plasma density, temperature, probing gas density. 
um, and just what the edge of the plasma is and other data at the physics informed neural network that parses all of the information and helps researchers develop a better way of developing plasma reactors. Predictive modeling of plasma turbulence and fusion experiments is challenging. They've used supercomputers in the past. They've used um, AI in the past, but there's new, these new iterations of uh, artificial intelligence or, and quantum computers are kind of blowing the pants off of the historical development of um, knowledge around plasma. Um, what was the name of the the AI that um, did Jeopardy? What's its name? Oh, Watson. Watson. Watson was actually focused on doing this and medical research, finding comparisons between or incompatibilities between medications. What do they call that? Oh, uh, contraindications. Contraindications. Thank you. Um, and, and so that's what that was used for. And now we have even more superior AI. Um, so using a custom physics informed approach to machine learning, which is basically a knock on of uh, artificial intelligence researchers developed a framework able to directly solve for plasma properties that are usually not resolved in the boundary of experimental fusion devices. It's predicting what fusion does with the right mathematics that a human can never freaking do. It's just not possible. So this allows scientists to predict how plasma fluctuations behave in experiments. Um, they talk about confinement in fusion plasmas. It's pretty much the most important thing because if you spin up a plasma, and it's not adequately confined or managed, it can create a hot spot or ooze through the magnetic containment and then destroy the vessel that it's housed in. And then we have a sci-fi movie on our hands. It, essentially for a moment, depending on what happens after that, but uh, plasma, once it leaks, it cools, and but the, the containment unit is damaged in the process. So innovative research from MIT, they talk about various papers. In the first paper, the researchers demonstrated how photon counts collected uh, by commonly applied fast cameras can be converted into electron density and temperature fluctuations on turbulent scales using a novel physics-informed AI framework that combines experimental data with radiative modeling and kinetic theory. So application of science theory and application of the direct experiment, then you get these novel insights directly observable, the reality of plasma dynamics. So I think it's really interesting. Um, they also talk about a second paper where they use dynamical uh, information about the electrons in conjunction with a widely used plasma turbulence theory to predict electric field fluctuations. If the predictions match the uh, the laboratory test, then you know that your math is right. And if your math is right, then you're on the right track for other fundamental research. It's pretty neat, pretty neat stuff. Um, short, short of nuclear reactors, I think plasma is probably um, the next best step. For me, the, the goal would be a direct transfer from nuclear energy transmission radiation into electrons by capturing the the ionizing radiation from or i should say the radiation from the nuclear vessel instead of what it is today which is superheating liquids like the steam power method right now that's what it is yeah 
And so there's a huge waste there because it goes from a superheated nuclear vessel to superheated liquid to turn a turbine that cools um, the liquid and then it gets pumped back into the nuclear vessel to superheat, etc. right? So it's this big machine. But by the time it goes from the radiation core to the turbine, you're basically losing somewhere around 90% of the efficiency of the, what should really the, the end goal be direct radiation to electrons so that you have a one-to-one -one or near one-to-one -one ratio, very little loss, but all the mechanical aspects of it and, and the thermal dynamics of superheated gas, blah, it's very inefficient, but it's really efficient compared to something like, um, coal. That's just a hot mess. Right. And it doesn't have the stigma of nuclear. Right. Yeah. Plasma. Definitely. Yeah. So I think that's where, uh, I would go. It's defensible. Um, which means that you're not going to run. You don't have to worry about it so much. It's like nuclear power. I don't like hydropower because hydropower isn't defensible. Um, solar power isn't defensible. Wind generation isn't defensible. Not in a real way. Um, you know, I can shoot a blade on a, on a wind generator. It throws it out of balance and it destroys itself. Yay. Uh, I can shoot flechette rounds over a wide area of a solar array. And all of those panels have been reduced to 1% efficiency. Um, and then hydrothermal or yeah, hydrothermal, it doesn't really matter. I can drop a bunker buster near it and it's all thrown into a tizzy. Um, but this can actually be buried um, deep underground. It's defensible and you can set transmission lines deep underground, just like nuclear. We don't because it's wildly expensive even to spin a nuclear power plant up. But that's because government has deep pockets and you can't build a nuclear generator without government affiliation so anyway yeah neat and whenever i see stuff like this i think of <coughs> iron man <coughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. um you want to keep going sure uh the next article is over in warcrafters here's a farm life game but it's about a sect of chinese fantasy martial artists Farming game Immortal Life was just released from early access after a year, a few years in development, bringing a unique spin on the genre of Harvest Moon Rune Factory in Stardew Valley. If you've ever wanted to spend your entire life pushing around a bunch of pixels, this is a game for you. Yifeng Studio Fam Life Game is based on a sect of martial artists who, finding their home school devastated, resolved to build the Misty Valley into a place of learning and beauty. China is really beautiful. I have to say, like all of the rural, rural area of uh, China, and it's a huge landmass. I mean, for crying out loud, it's just huge. So much beauty in there. Um, so it's heavily based on the Chinese fantasy aesthetics of uh, Wuxia fiction and the, uh, or Wuhai, I think. It, I'm not sure how to pronounce that, Wuhai. Um, fiction and the idea of cultivation or improving one's powers and spirit in order to achieve martial arts mastery and immortality. That's what this little, our little segment, go ahead. 
Did you want to say? Well, anything? I wonder if this is going to be mostly focused on farming or mostly focused on martial arts, or is it going to involve um, um, areas such as like Feng, Feng Shui or? Yeah, they already provoke. This is just qi. an interesting mix. Yeah, they already pro provoke chi in our key in the um, article. So use your incredibly potent key to harvest grain really, really well. <laughs> I like this. <laughs> so here's a, uh, this is an article over at PCGamer.com by Jonathan Bolding. Um, let's see if they have any pictures. There is a video up there. It's $17. It's called Immortal Life on Steam. Actually, it's called Immortal Life, but it's on Steam. I need to correct that. Otherwise, people are going to be searching for Immortal Life on Steam. Um, has a 20% off launch discount until January 31st. And uh, let's see. Let's, let's, I'm going to watch this and, and silence it. And we'll go through. I, I actually don't like really watching the whole video. Oh, you know, I thought it was more isometric like um, Stardew Valley, but it's higher resolution based on what I'm seeing here. Yeah, it's more 3D than Stardew Valley and other games like it. And it's definitely couched in the farming aspect of it. You just have martial arts energy. And maybe you do think, wow, the fidelity of this is really great. You have a lot of motion. Seems pretty detailed in yeah. the visual. It's pretty neat. It's hard to explain. So you're going to have to watch the video of the show. Um, we're about... I don't know, 26 minutes into the show. Um, it's pretty neat. So I dig this, but I probably won't play it because it takes one of the, it's probably one of those games that requires just hundreds of hours to really embrace it. Um, and yeah, there's combat, um, there's farming, there are the martial arts aspects and there's some magic involved. Um, it, it gets, looks like fun. So yeah. Gonna have to check it out. Immortal Life over on Steam. Go check it out. Let's keep going. Um, I didn't throw this into the chat. Come on, Marwant. Every episode. Now, the next article is over in Reality Hacker, which is our newest weekend show, Reality Hacker and the Continuity Report. Uh, tonight, we're gonna be doing the Continuity Report uh, directly after this show. So. If you're hearing this now, come and stick around. An unknown company has a plan to change smartwatches forever. You won't know this company's name, but you need to know about its plan to enter the smartwatch market because it could change it forever. Okay, how could the company that nobody's heard of really compete with some of the big players? I don't know, make it really inexpensive and feature packed and then have an ecosystem that springs up out of nowhere and supports it as effectively as the uh, app store for Google and, and other Android watches and or the entire ecosystem around Apple, the juggernaut of the Apple, of the watch, smartwatch market, for crying out loud. There's a lot of smartwatches out there, but none of them, in my opinion, compete at the level of the Apple watch. Um, and I'm not really a fanboy of anybody, um, but I will hype up the benefits of a particular piece of technology because I find value in it. But if something better were to come along, I would jump ship for a smartwatch if it is superior, but it needs to really raise the bar. 
So maybe this upstart will actually do it. Let's find out. Did I throw this into the chat? No, I'm going to do it now. There you go. Doink. So the article is over at Digital Trends. Andy Boxall uh, put the article together. Uh, looks like a swatch. <laughs> it looks like a swatch. That's interesting. It really mm -hmm. does. I don't know. They call this the Diesel on Fade Light by Mad Dog Jones Smartwatch. All right. If you're not in smartwatches today, especially as a traditional watch manufacturer, then you are the way that you get the right product for your customer. Then we are the right. Wait, let me rephrase or let me requote this quote. If you if you're not in smartwatches today, especially as a traditional watch manufacturer, then we are the way that you get the right product for your customer. This is how Steve Prokup, co-founder of Miho or Mijo Connected, describes the firm's business. And it has the author, um, again, it's Andy Boxall, over at Digital Trends, um, seriously intrigued and excited about the future of smartwatches. That's This, this is all from their article. Prokup um, had a call at CES 2024, and although probably haven't heard of Miho Connected or Mijo Connected. I think it's Miho. Um, and it likely won't be a name on an actual product you buy in the future. That does not mean you should ignore it. And so they talk about it. It's picking up where Fossil left off. Procup has considerable experience in the world of wearables, having worked as the head of hardware at Pebble. I actually kickstarted the first Pebble um, before uh, heading to Fossil, where he worked as vice president. Miho Connected's other co-founder is Hai Win, um, who also uh, worked at Fossil on product management and research and development projects. So they're doing what they know, which is great, and they might have a better solution. Um, it looks like they actually just create a white label smart watch, and then it gets attached to oh, okay. other brands based on what it's sounding like. If that sounds like a familiar strategy. So it says, so what is Mio connected and why should you care? It plans to build a wearable device platform that other or that some very familiar fashion and luxury brands will eventually put their names on. So yeah, it's white label. Um, he's the ghost kitchen of smartwatches, allowing them to bring <laughs> out uh, desirable, unique and fashionable smartwatches that also have the right technology and software to back up the looks interesting so basically it'll look pretty but at the end of the day it's the same tech everybody will have you just have a pretty band and or bezel oh that might get some appeal particularly if people will start treating it as like a collectible that's a really good name for a channel band to bezel oh it's hmm. about watches i bet and so y'all should go over to hometown and click on that under gadgets and technology band to bezel it's right there it's in the name. So yeah, that's all this really is. Um, but it, in all cases, it's going to end up being a, an Android device. It has to be because it's wildly expensive to create a unique operating system and then build an ecosystem under it that facilitates what the Google play store can do or the Apple watch store or the Apple watch can do because there are apps that are built with smartwatch capabilities in the Apple app store and it automatically 
adds to your watch. I mean, it's, it's so frictionless. It's almost undebatable that you should go with the Apple watch quote. We have a very similar approach to how traditional watches are manufactured, where the movement is uh, wrapped in different designs and different watch cases. You can go to a premium titanium case. We can put a what, pop it. Uh, a reference to jewels set into a bezel or case on it or go to stainless steel and other alloys or to some or to plastic if somebody wants a lower price point plastic case with a silicone strap that is also available from our platform so yeah it's your basic you know uh, they're building the clockwork and then you're basically paying for a premium version of it by customizing the case and band and whatever else. So they're well, actually and that's saying, something that you haven't been able to do much of with things like Apple. A completely different bezel. Yeah, absolutely. So at CES, Miho uh, connected, launched its smartwatch platform with software company Micro EJ called Micro Edge and um, revealed that it will use MicroEdge's VWare operating system in the future. While you may not immediately know the name, you may already have used MicroEdge's platform on a wearable as it's powered smartwatches made by Polar over the last few years. So I wonder what that is. Oh, yeah. VWare smartwatches will also work with both Android and iOS phones, providing more flexibility. So it looks like it's middleware. But I don't know how that's even, oh, no, 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 sorry. It works with iOS phones, but through an app, another app. So it'll, oh, okay. be, it'll be Bluetooth, but it won't be integrated into the iOS operating system like the smart. Like so Apple it won't watches. be the same as like an Apple Watch. It won't be the same experience, no. Probably for most people, indecipher, uh, not indecipherable, indiscernible between the two, but does that mean Miho Connected won't provide an option for a Wear OS smartwatch and is only working with MicroEdge? MicroEdge is a great partner at ProCup. Um, but we have a platform available for RTOS watch, for an RTOS watch, um, as well as a platform that we're working on for Wear OS. The choice of software options shows uh, how it's covering all smartwatch customization requirements. Um, I don't know. I mean, this, the, these are Apple watches. Um, I, this is the Google Pixel Watch 2. And this is the Mont Blanc Summit 3. And this is a fossil watch. None of which are the brand and nor is this the brand. But are they intimating that this, all of these? You know, they, they're implying and people are going to be inferring that this solution, Miho Connected, is attached to these. To all of these luxury brands. Yeah, because they, um, put, they put them in the article, but they don't separate it from saying, no, these don't have any affiliation with Miho. That's, I think dangerous hmm interesting so while i think that it's a great idea it had better be wildly inexpensive because all of these are really the same and these aren't these are actually 
up the the picture oh my god the implication is that all of these brands are associated in some way with the technology from this developer exactly but they're not but they're not no they don't even give an example of the actual product you know some front-facing example of it that says this is built off of this right. platform yeah. other than they say that polar but they don't show a picture right yeah i mean they talk about it but <clears throat> it's not the same yeah i don't think that they should have put any of these other brands yeah people will infer from this that it's associated with all of these brands mont blanc summit three etc yeah that's a shame okay let's keep going They're not going to change anything. So the next uh, article is over in Warcrafters. They're making a story-driven sequel to Lunar Lander, the 1979 Atari arcade game where all you do is land on the moon. <laughs> I like this. I don't know if you've ever played Lunar Lander, but basically you just fly a little plane. You give it gas and give a direction, and it tries to land on platform after platform. You try and go as far as you can. Nice. Well, I think Astrobiotic can use this. <sighs> Wow. Too soon. Always too soon when you have your own time machine, though. As someone who grew up in it with an Atari 2600, it sure is nice to be able to talk about an upcoming Atari game with positive anticipation. That's how they feel about Lunar Lander Beyond, a forthcoming sequel. <clears throat> forthcoming sequel. I guess it's on its way to the past. No, on its way to the future. Sequel is the, the future, not prequel to a game so old it's developed a potbelling and taken up jogging. Ouch, that hurts. I'm never mind, I'm not going to say anything. Uh the original Lunar Lander came out in 1979 and I was around to play it. And was Atari's first game to use vector graphics. It was also one of the first two games registered with the United States Copyright Office, the other being Asteroids which is not what kept me from doing the show. While there have been uh, <laughs> several preceding games inspired by it. So let's take a look over at PCGamer.com. Jody McGregor put the article together. You can play the demo right now. I'm going to go and look at it uh, right after this show, maybe, because we have the continuity report after this to do. As someone who grew up in the uh, uh, with a, an Atari 2600, I know firsthand that I liked Lunar Lander. This looks like a whole lot better. Um, I don't want to play the demo. I, I don't want to do the video here. The campaign will have 30 missions and let you fly four ships. But in just this demo, the tone comes across clear. It's a parody of modern corporate greed on an interplanetary scale with a dose of space mystery to give it that sense of wonder. The author can't wait to play the game, the full game. There's no release date yet, but you can try the demo on Steam right now. So Marwat is about to just hang up on this call and uh, go play Lunar Lander. What do they actually call it? Man, that sounds Lander fun. Beyond. Did you have the Atari 2600? I'm sorry. Did you ask me a question about how old I am? <laughs> No, you said you were around to play it, so. Uh, yeah. 
That, you already said that. <laughs> yeah, the, R, the Atari 2600 is what I had. Yeah. I also had a Timex Sinclair 1000 with a membrane keyboard that uh, I spent a mint getting the uh, memory uh, data pack that clicked into the back of it and the recorder so that I could type in line interpreted basic and and <laughs> and store the data only to have somebody go and yank the plug out of the wall ruining hours worth of work just to play lunar lander mind you but I'm not bitter anyway Lunar Lander Beyond, which is being developed by Chris Tales Studio Dreams Incorporated, keeps the 2D view and touchy controls, but bolts on an entire plot. So go check it out. Yeah, it actually is kind of parodying the greedy bastard motif there. Do you think it's going to live up to the 70s version, though? I don't know. It's like, I mean, if it's one of those things that has like a nostalgia element to it. Well, let's see. I don't know if they're going to actually show demonstration of the game itself. Oh, oh yeah. This is going to be awesome. Yeah, it's hyped up a whole lot more. Like the graphics are obviously superior and with a plot. Uh, it might be too on the nose about the greedy bastard aspect of it. And so it'll turn people off because people typically don't like, I don't know, a, a political aspect to it, to their games, unless it's fantasy. And this isn't really, you, you can obviously see just, I don't know. I guess to me, this is a 2d version of Shipbreaker. Um, <clears throat> where there is a corporate greedy aspect to shipbreaker but it's totally immersive and in 3d and all of this kind of stuff uh, but people right, so really maybe like, you kind of forget about that or attribute exactly. it to it's in the game it's just the game yeah so maybe people will look past it but it looks fun to me definitely higher resolution than um, the previous game lunar lander was fun though for young me um i don't know let's keep going Uh, so the next article is over on Warcrafters. That Pokemon with Guns game, which is called Pal World, just sold 4 million copies in three days, and it isn't slowing down. Whoa, stand back. Yeah, let me throw this last article into the chat. There you go. Oops. There you go. And now the Pal World one. Let's go there. Um, so I have Pal World. You can actually now spin up your own servers. Um and or spin up a server locally, but you can actually pay for a service to host a, a PAL world server. Um, it absolutely, so it's in early access. It is absolutely taking Twitch by storm. Um, I've played it for very short stints, um, but I love it. it. It really is borderline my forever game. My, the only fear is that it's early access and I don't know what the result is going to be. Um, so I'm like, Oh, do I want to really invest in this and start playing it and streaming it? Uh, because I have a whole thing, hometown after dark, or, um, uh, there are various hometown gaming channels. I'm, I was thinking about, you know, playing this, 
um, particularly during the summer of streaming where I'll be able to dedicate hours upon hours of playing. Um, but maybe Pal World will have already peaked and, and you know, not that many people. That's want true. That. So, so you have to watch that's it. That's quite a ways out. Yeah. But by that time, we're going to have at least two more shows, and that means we'll have five total uh, in the hopper. But in regards to Pal World, it is a blast. Basically, um, the way that I describe it is Poke America um, becomes World's Pal. Everybody loves it. Four million copies. It's Pokemon with guns. So everybody is basically saying, oh, it's Pokemon, Pokemon America. Um, and so I've just merged them together to poke America. Uh, so former Nintendo president Satoru Awada outlined a blue ocean strategy with selling the Nintendo Wii, which is to say it was designed to tap into an ocean of potential customers outside the usual gamer sphere. Well, it turns out that there is an untapped blue ocean of people who wanted Pokemon with guns because the survival crafting poco like war, uh, pal world is selling so fast it's putting hotcakes to shame. The problem I think with all of the Nintendo stuff is that it isn't um, open to everybody and Nintendo is slowly building up some negative response. I'd say rapidly. <laughs> because they're like suing people for posting videos and stuff like that about gameplay. And I think it's really you know, just what ahead. a way to uh, endear yourself to your fans. Yeah. I'm suing. Um, Ted Litchfield over at PC gamer, put the article together. It says Pikachu and a Glock, both with serial numbers filed off. A lot of the pals in pal world resemble Pokemon, but they're not named close enough and they don't look close enough to make it confusingly similar but everybody is lining it up as Pokemon with guns. So I'm surprised. I think you showed me a trailer of that and I said, is that Pokemon? Yeah. And, and a lot of people are doing that. So I'm really surprised that they haven't been sued out of the water considering Nintendo is so litigious, I'd say. So they how fast will be ahead though? Uh, in three hours, they sold 1 million copies is my understanding. So how fast? Is this rising to the top? The thing is already the fifth most played game in Steam's history by concurrent players just three days after launch. 3,000 more PAL Worlders at peak hours and it'll unseat Dota 2, which is a massive fan base. While recent AAA heavy hitters like Hogwarts Legacy or my beloved Baldur's Gate 3 and Elden Ring trail far behind. Okay, that's astonishing. Sales-wise, they are printing money over at developer-publisher Pocket Pair. Oh, man, they they really want to get sued, it seems. This morning, the game's official Twitter account revealed that Pal World oh. has surpassed 4 million copies sold. Go ahead. Well, this, this article has completely abandoned any attempt at rebranding Twitter. I mean, you normally see like oh. X formerly known as Twitter or something like that. This right. just says Twitter. <laughs> uh, well, hats off to Ted Litchfield for denying the psychosis. Um, despite all that success, we aren't entirely sold on the game in our early access hands-on PC gamer contributor, Lincoln Carpenter, which 
that is just an awesome name found that the survival crafting gameplay had some interesting ideas that could use some more refinement that's what he, uh, early access really does uh, but the shock humor shtick ran thin pretty quick watching that first pal world trailer from 2021 was like seeing a picture of bugs bunny smoking weed and half ironically thinking it's sick Actually, playing Pal World is like having to hang out for hours with somebody who's made Bugs Bunny smoking weed their whole deal, which that really is kind of what it is. Because all you do really is go and catch Pokemon um, simulacrums, right? I've used that word a couple of times in the show, but it's a, a, a Poke adjacent uh, characters, all of them. Um, there's like a there really is like a rabbit like character that runs away from you early on in the game and you keep running across this person. I happened to delete that character because it was sleeping on my land and I ran up and hit it too hard and it died. Anyway, got to be careful. Still pal world's main competition when it comes to full 3d open uh, world Pokemon are some uh, switch games that are visibly falling apart at the seam. So there's more over here at this article. Um, I didn't read the whole thing. Um, but I think Ted Litchfield puts this, um, pretty accurate. <laughs> um, I agree with, um, Ted Litchfield here. So go, but go check out the article, follow the link through hometown. Um, there is more minutia in here. And if you like what they have to say, then, you know, click on the links and check out the rest of, um, PC gamer. You, you really can't go wrong. It's one of our, um, more fun sources. Yeah, it's a frequent contributor. Yeah. So let's keep going. And to make it clear, we aggregate using um, our Omatron aggregator. It, it obtains the information that they provide. And uh, we only get this little snippet, but then we talk about the article as a live response. Um, so. And give it credit in terms of the location and the author if known. Yeah, definitely. Uh, give credit where credit is due and, and then add our two bits to it. So it's, um, yeah, it works. So technology today is where the next article is invisible menace, newly discovered malaria parasites evade detection and treatment. So here's your horror theme, uh, for tonight's show, a team of scientists led by Brown university have conducted genomic surveillance and covering mutations in parasites that cause malaria mutations in parasites that cause malaria likely to oh challenge. god like weaponized malaria now wonderful um i wonder if it's from wuhan too soon, too soon. <laughs> um let me do something real quick if you don't mind i am uh, kind of dying up here well, that's not good. Yeah, sorry. Um, we're doing it live. So this is how the sausage is made. So Brown University is where the article is from. SciTechDaily.com is where it's housed. The authors detailed their findings in a genomic surveillance study in nature microbiology. Already scientists have found in Uganda, Tanzania, Rwanda, strains of the parasite that causes malaria that were resistant to most available anti-malarial drugs and separately malaria parasites resistant to diagnostic tests had emerged in the Horn of Africa. So, yay. Uh, those parasites have been spreading independently of one another, but the new study is the first published report to confirm the prevalence of this type of double resistant malaria strain. 
said study author Jeffrey Bailey, an associate professor of translational research in pathology and laboratory medicine at Brown University. Crazy business cards. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if the laser can etch that. Every time I try, it burns out the lens and I, oh God, I'll order another one. The first line malaria treatment recommended by the World Health Organization is a combination of therapy involving uh, antimezzanine-based drug compounds, which tend to be very effective in preventing death and reducing transmission. What? Wow. The mutations now detected in Africa provide resistance to uh, ortomezzanine. Okay, so let's translate that. That stops death. Yeah. This doesn't work. <laughs> Translates <laughs> to death. Yeah. So it reduces <laughs> transmission and prevents death. And the mutations now resist that effort. So, yeah, they're becoming less effective. And this is because survival survivors, the bacterial survivors, are the strongest. Right, versions. which may result in passing along uh, superior traits, etc. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, superior traits of survival in the human condition or in a vehicle that can be transferred to the human and we don't have the right resistance so obviously we fall to malaria um, findings and malaria prevalence in ethiopia they found that 8.2 percent of drug resistant parasites also carried the deletions of the protein expressing gene that made them detectable by the diagnostic test so now they have to find a different way of finding the malarial uh, infection because the gene Okay, this used is to pretty expose sneaky, them. right? Yeah. It's like, we're not going to find us. We're going to delete the gene yeah, as we the, go through. This is the evolutionary like genetic wobble of survival. If the treatment was effective enough, it would have wiped it out entirely. But that's not what happens. Just like alcohol in hand sanitizer is 99.9. .9, that means that two survive and those two replicate their superior genetics and then you're infected with something that can't be killed. So in Ethiopia, overall incidence of malaria is low, but the disease remains endemic in 75% of the country with 65% of the population at risk. More than 5 million episodes of malaria occur each year. That's the overall That's incidence is low. a huge percentage of the population at risk. And yeah, they consider it low. Yeah. Okay, wait, the incident is low, but the population is generally vulnerable is what I take away from that. Yeah. But it does seem weird together. Yeah, I mean, I'm. yeah, I think we understand. Yeah, right. More than 5 million episodes of malaria occur each year, though. Come on, that's a huge amount. Yes, I don't understand why that's low. Yeah, Considered that, low. that still doesn't make yeah, sense. I, but I guess that's the difference between a hundred million dollars to somebody that's not a billionaire and a billionaire <laughs> they don't see it the right. same right i mean if there's you know five billion i know there aren't five billion right. people but anyway my point is we don't know what the full context is yeah so the ability to conduct genomic surveillance to monitor mutations while looking for new ones has greatly advanced over the last decade bailey said in the emergence and refinement of next generation sequencing so his lab at brown has pioneered 
high throughput techniques to sequence many genes at once and has been collaborating on projects like the current study with uh, research teams in other universities as well as health agencies in countries such as Uganda. So good on them. Um, find this stuff and, and uh, kill it at the source. The killing the edge, it just isn't really solving the problem or killing the bulk of it isn't solving it if two survive and it turns into a super parasite. Pretty wild. Okay. Let me throw, did I? Yeah, I didn't. I don't think it. you did. I didn't throw that into the chat. There you go, folks. Doink. Um, so the next one, oh, well, let me do the transition. Technology today, new advancement makes solar panels two to four times cheaper. And well, all that does really, I think is open up the margin more so let's well, just go straight on over do the diy project Ugh, get out when did we do that was that in the time machine or was that yesterday's episode i think that was in the 20th but i'll double check that while you're yeah. going forward so university of michigan is where this is sourced from but SciTech daily is our source that's where it's published and um, it says a uh, perovskite solar cell cells like this one made by Xiaowen Gong's group could make solar energy cheaper and more uh, environmentally friendly because it's perovskite. But you have to find perovskite. Go ahead. True. Um, so the DIY article was in the January 20th episode of Daily um, Show. So go look at yesterday's show. And um, yeah, there's this article that basically hypes up do it yourself solar panels, but it's not do it yourself. You're basically just soldering a bunch of solar panels that have already it's been like made buy it <laughs> yeah buy it and and lick the ends and stick project. them together <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> i think your toddler could probably do this a discovery at the university of michigan provides key insights into preventing rapid degradation of perovskite semiconductors this advancement has the potential to lead it to solar cells that are two to four times less expensive than current uh, thin film solar panels and thus Create a larger, a large enough margin for big business to want to invest in solar cells because they'll keep the prices high, but lower the cost of production. So the margin is bigger and more money can go to the investors. And Wait. the consumers are definitely winning. Screwed. Remember the phrase, the era of cheap food is over. <laughs> well, so, we are not advocating to eat your solar panels. And if you do a search for perovskites, Probably through hometown, you'll end up with finding other articles that have to do with the perovskites because we have actually spoken about this um, periodically. Uh, perovskites may also be combined with silicon-based semiconductors that are prevalent in today's solar panel to create a tandem solar cell that could surpass the maximum theoretical efficiency of solar uh, silicon uh, silicon solar cells. Um, silicon solar cells are great because they are very efficient and can last for a very long time, but the high efficiency comes at a high cost. Um, to make high purity silicon, temperatures over 1000 degrees Celsius are needed. Otherwise, the efficiency won't be as good. I think what happens with the creation of high purity silicon is it gets turned into, it's a gas deposition method. And so it has to be vaporized and then it deposits. I, I think that's the process. I have to look again. It's been a while. Um, the high temperature comes with higher economic and environmental costs, but while perovskites can be produced at lower temperatures, they degrade when exposed to heat, moisture, and air. Um, so keep them out of your armpits. 
Um, as a result, the lifespan of perovskite today is too short to be commercially competitive in solar panels. So their research aims to make it hardier. Dun, dun, dun. And that's pretty much it, right? Yes, it is. The armpits was an ad lib, though. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, the article does not say anything about. So uh, engineers already know that mixing uh, defect pacifying molecules with the into the perovskites can help lock up the uncoordinated lead, in turn preventing other imperfections from forming at high temperatures. But until now, the engineers didn't know exactly how a given molecule affected the hardiness of perovskite uh, cells. So they figured it out. Pretty new. Pretty, pretty interesting. Um, let's see if they actually get into it. Yeah. Yeah, they talk about additive size and shape. Heating the perovskite films to over 200 degrees Celsius confirmed that bulky additives help the films retain more of their characteristic uh, slate black color and develop fewer structural defects. So <clears throat> they they found additives to add to it uh, to make it more robust and uh, not fall prey to heat and moisture. Not as susceptible to armpits. Yes, that's right, because solar cells work really well in armpits. So pretty cool. Go check that article out. We've got one more article and this is a big one because uh, it's over at hometown daily cancer vaccine with minimal side effects nearing phase three clinical trials, melanoma cancer vaccine with minimal side effects nearing phase three in clinical trials. According to experts, this I is think a, this is a first. Yeah. Minimal side effects, minimal side effects. Um, I knew somebody that had cancer in a place um, where they had to put little pellets. Um, and they're like, hey, you can't stand too close to my crotch because I'm radioactive. And I said, don't worry, wow. dude. Um, that's never going to happen. And um, yeah, it was quite an interesting conversation following that because they were like, you know, I'm so wealthy. I have so much money but I have to worry about cancer. Um, and he's like, I can't spend it fast enough um, because he doesn't know what's going to happen. So it's really shocking to get in touch with your mortality like this. And so it says each shot would be completely personalized to the patient, a cancer vac vaccine with minimal side effects, because currently uh, before I go too far, this is over at abcnews.go.com. Dr. Jade Coburn is the author of the article. I don't know how much of this is really kind of um, pumping up the, the product versus uh, actual news about it, but um, they refer to Tom, uh, Thomas Wagner. Um, and uh, I'll just get it out of the way. Most treatments for cancer are either destructive to the entire biological uh, facility um, or it is destructive in another way where they have to take out a portion of the person afflicted with the cancer. Um, and so it really is, uh, emotionally and, and psychically debilitating for a lot of people. Um, getting a cancer treatment that is basically a personalized injection means that you can feel a little bit more safe that you are you feel that you're a whole person. You're not being, uh, immunocompromised, even though with cancer, you are already regarded as immunocompromised. Um, 
And the idea of getting a shot is a whole lot easier to digest than having to get uh, little nuclear radiation pellets put in your body somewhere or go through chemotherapy or radiation treatment, um, which sounds as, uh, I guess, horrifying as it's, as it is. Um, right. So, People are almost more scared of the treatments than the actual condition, yeah. which is kind of astonishing when you think about it. Yep. And they talk about this. Many traditional cancer treatments, such as chemotherapy, work by killing off cancer cells, but it also kills off non-cancer cells throughout the body. This can cause a range of side effects, including hair loss, nausea, vomiting, um, or may knock out a person's immune system. Not may. I know. I was like, may. I think that's pretty much a given. Too. It pretty much does. Um, and so you have to worry about, and this is, that's one of the challenges around uh, COVID is people went through treatment during COVID were massively more immunocompromised. Um, so even a mask wasn't really <laughs> enough safety for people that were going through the treatments. Um, so typically cancer cells evade a person's immune system because it's recognized as that person's cells. Wagner developed a tumor uh, lysate particle only TLPO. A vaccine that uses a person's tumor cells to identify particular parts that are then presented back into the body using the vaccine in a way that can stimulate their own immune system to gain the ability to detect these cancer cells like an infection, allowing the immune system to fight the cancer itself. Okay, this is really big. Yeah. Because and it's also interesting. It's a vaccine, but it's basically for treatment, right? Like it's not yeah. a preventive no. vaccine, what we think of vaccines as being. Yeah, because a vaccine is it's a targeted thing for a, a, a specific uh, whatever infection, right? But this is actually the subject's own cells that have that they divide without controls they actually break free and float around in the blood from time to time and can reinfect. They can bind to another location and they don't necessarily grow, but with a vaccine like this, it changes what your immune system can do and it will find the cancer cells wherever they may be in your system. Absolutely. I'm jumping ahead, but these uh -huh. statistics are really impressive. So the most recent data presented at an aca uh, academic conference showed that nearly 95% of people given only the vaccine were still alive three la years later after starting treatment and 64 were still disease free. Among the most advanced forms of melanoma, disease free survival after three years for people with stage three disease was 60% in the vaccine only group compared to 39% in the placebo group. I would hate to be in a placebo group, Jesus. Disease-free survival for those with stage four disease was about 68% and zero in the placebo I mean, group. can you, you can't even, like, that's just... Undebatable. Outrageous. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that alone right there is reason to pursue that. Yep. Even if the other stat, I mean, the other one is good, but the stage four was really what jumped out. Yeah. Um, and, and that... But melanoma is a very specific cancer, and and but this is the beginning of being able they can to replicate this. Apply it. Yep, yep. And so we've seen over and over again promising phase two data that didn't turn out to be so promising in phase three. So they're trying to temper the fact that it may not 
uh, prove positive um, at the end of the day. Um, based on the data and other studies, the Food and Drug Administration has greenlit Wagner's vaccine to start phase three clinical trial. This is going to be very, very expensive in the beginning because they have to make the product. Because of the personalized. Yeah. 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 So um, I will honestly say that only the rich will be able to afford this because insurance is going to basically say do everything else. Um, and I think it's disgusting um, that a treatment like this could change. Uh, well, it, it will save a person and their family from the loss and uh, actuarial tables and some MBA douchebag is going to sit there and say, no, go get surgery and then wait five to 10 years to see if it resurfaces. Um, and frankly, I think that they're assholes. So anyway, um, Polk said that he had personally impacted by the success of the vaccine after his father went through numerous lung surgeries for cancer over a decade ago, uh, but was left with no other treatment options. His father opted to try Wagner's uh, cancer vaccine and lived 10 more years before dying from something unrelated to the cancer. But I mean, that's that's really a success. Yep. Yeah. Um, and because cancer actually has a lot of knock on effects. So even if it was something associated with the cancer, 10 more years, 10 I mean, years is a long time in a cancer patient's existence. Yeah. No way. I mean, depending on how um, advanced they are. But even in the earliest stage, there's a five-year window where people are like, you know, I mean, the doctors sit there and go, ah, you better. It's Don't the, make any long-term plans. Yeah, you might want to get your shit together. So uh, we won't, there's more over here at this article, um, but I can only gush so much. I, I really hope that this survives stage three. Uh, phase three, pardon me, phase three clinical trials um, and then gets adapted to it shouldn't even and then get adapted. I think it should start now and maybe it'll be effective to other cancers. If it is about personalization, then they can personalize it now and the treatment could affect everything, um, anybody that has cancer because it's not being detected by your immune system. It's going unregulated and because the cancer cells don't die on their own. They just grow and grow and grow. So you need something to activate your immune system to detect this um, wonky genetic code that keeps them alive. I really think that cancer research should focus on that apoptosis element of it, where it can find that sequence and reactivate it, um, you know, CRISPR type technology to chop out the broken apoptosis uh, signal and have it basically commit suicide. I shouldn't have said that in the stream because that's going to come back and bite me over on YouTube, but that's what it is. The cells die on their own. Um, but anyway, that's it folks. Talk about a ending. I mean, that's a roller coaster <laughs> ride right there. Because <laughs> yeah. as you go deeper into the uh, article, it talks about the, the impact of this stuff and, and uh, cancer in general. So go check it out. I think that it's going to be amazing uh, when this actually I'm, I'm, I'm going to send all the good vibes I can that this actually um, survives phase three clinical trials. So good luck. Um, okay. Well, that's it for 
Hometown Daily for January 21st, 2024. I'm Mayor Watt. That's hometown.com. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Let me back up. Everybody get into the party bus. I can't abandon you. 10 articles deep (laughs) in Main Street. That's right. So we get back into the party bus and we drive all the way back down. And there's always articles that are coming into hometown. The little segments, not the full article. We don't want to take away from the actual producers of news. We want to hype them up, promote them, and then uh, send you know traffic over to them. Come back. We can talk about all of these articles. 10 every day in hometown daily. And then there are subordinate shows like Reality Hacker, which is focused on the reality hacker news aggregation segment which is right there um although we may take it from other places where it has an application um and the continuity report which is actually um right there and it might actually move later i might, might throw it in entertainment but anyway um, that's all about tv shows and movies and other things um and it's focused it doesn't have the breadth and depth of the hometown daily show and uh, we've got two more on deck. We're already planning to kick off another two for weekend distribution and podcast. So uh, be sure to follow us here on Twitch and uh, over on YouTube and the podcast, and then go over to Discord and sign up. There, it's all in the show notes. Um, I do have to do cover art for about five episodes because um, I was out of commission. Um, semi-expectedly let's just say that what was planned for one day got moved dramatically faster (laughs) and uh, (laughs) yeah i wasn't expecting it to move that fast so anyway without getting into it thanks very much for coming and hanging out uh we're gonna reset this and do the continuity report in about 15 minutes i know that we're running late um but we're having fun in soapboxing and uh, we did a makeup show that pushed us a little later and the show we're about on time i'd say about 30 minutes late okay that's it i'm Marwat. that's hometown.com and up there is the sentient ai that's very tolerant of Marwat's shenanigans so you want to say bye good night hometown citizens be back shortly for a continuity report and then be back tomorrow at 8 p.m eastern for the next episode of Hometown Daily. True story. AI doesn't lie. Bye-bye. 